Hello, guests and ghouls, and welcome to Quest Friends Hereafter, an improvised fiction podcast using the Under the Neighborhood role-playing system. I am Kyle, he, him, and today I, my four best friends, and some dice are going to tell you a story about how unwanted guests can really muck up a party. Hello, I am Ari. I am playing Aurelio Enrique Hueso Canaca, he, him, the opportunist who adapts, and I am Ari, she, her. I am Emily. My pronouns are they, them, and I am playing Irene Hawthorne, the necromant trainer who overextends, and her pronouns are she, her. Hi, I'm Tom. My pronouns are he, him, and I am playing Hilda Mishkevich, the, um... I haven't pulled up my guardian Spriggs. Is it just because I, f- I feel like I'm forgetting something, but that cipher is so no, it's just the guardian who pulls pranks. Yeah, right? it's just the guardian. Right. Pranks. Okay. Okay, great. I'm like, where's my descriptor? <laughs> I can't find it. What's a name? What's a name? I'm Hallie. She, her, and I am playing Sparky Malarkey, the intuition who investigates. Also, she, her. Perfect. So now that you know us and now that you know our characters, it is time for us all to know what is going wrong in their lives today. So we're going to do the slice of life complication, the mundane thing that for today's episode probably won't be the main impetus, but will just be bothering somebody as other things happen. I am giving this complication to Sparky, and it's just that your light is out in your house. So, like, the electricity is out for some reason. In my trailer. In your trailer house. (laughs) Her van is getting fixed, and now her trailer is breaking. So what you're saying is that, once again, Sparky's coffee maker is broken. (laughs) It sure is. Strangely, it's the only thing that works. Which is something I realized in a recent episode. Sparky actually has two coffee makers. I do have two coffee makers. So if this ever actually comes to pass, you will have double the trouble. Um, Mine is for Kike. Kike has a gift card to somewhere and he doesn't know how much is left on it. And he cannot get through the help call to be like, what's the balance on my gift card? No one will tell him what the balance is. Oh my god. That sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) It is. It is a nightmare, speaking from lived experience. You get to choose wherever the gift card is to, though. Probably about with some, like, weird antique shop that, like, doesn't really deal with gift cards that often. So it's like, I don't even know how to check, sir. Please stop calling. But Kika really needs to know if he can buy this new boat on a ship on a boat. When Kike goes antiquing, does he call it antique Kikeing? No, I'm making I'm making that joke for God's sake in the chat. Kike goes antique antique. He would say that. Excellent. All right. He is an antique. <laughs> he is also an antique, but he won't say that. All of those clones, at least, are very anti-Kike. It's the yes. same letters. It's, it, it was forced. Yeah. Tom or Emily, yeah. your thing. <laughs> I just got it. I got it from the get-go, but I was not going to. (laughs) I have a question for Tom. Yes. How messy is Hilda's room? Medium. Okay. Medium messy. Yeah. Um, Hilda has something stuck in her hair. Oh, no. That's so gross. No. Like sticky or tangled? Sticky. Oh. (laughs) Mm, I might might excard that just for the stickiness. (laughs) 
what if it's something non-sticky? Like somehow bits of the shredded homework that Booker keeps eating just got stuck in her hair. So every time she messes it, just more like pieces of paper fall out. I'll do you one slightly further, but not to the point of sticky or uncomfortable. There's just little bits of shredded paper whenever she tries to function. Like, oh, she unfolds her socks for the day. Paper. She opens her backpack. Paper. (laughs) She (laughs) goes to pour herself some cereal. Paper. Yeah, I was thinking that. I I feel like I have seen that gag before, but I don't remember where. This might be worse, but I won't X-card it. You really also can also Oh no, I know I can. That because my other one is a little kid called Sparky Old. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> she can't stop thinking about it. Say that to my face, you limp noodle. What? <laughs> a little kid called Sparky Malarkey Old. Was was that little kid Irene Hawthorne? Irene's not little. <laughs> yeah, like how little are we talking? Like A kindergartner has called Sparky old. Yeah, not like a preschooler where they don't really know what they're saying. Like, this child knew what they were doing. Like an elementary school child? Yeah. Like, like, like... Seven. Okay. Sparky maybe was just, like, hanging out because, you know, all the schools in VPS are next to each other. So maybe Sparky was hanging out because she was going to do stuff with Hilda after school. And, like, a kid walked by and is like, Mommy, is that old lady someone's grandma? No, better yet, walks up and asks Sparky, are you someone's grandma? <laughs> I was going to say. I'll, I'll, I'll go one further. Confuses Sparky for her grandma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, I, I know I can X-card it, but I, I do not see a need to X-card the paper. I'm just thinking how unpleasant that would be to have bits of shredded paper everywhere. Everywhere. I feel like that'd work really well for this session, too. But first, Tom, what's your pitch? So I had I had spent this time deciding who the hammer should fall upon, and I decided this one was indeed for Sparky Malarkey. <laughs> Damn it, guys. You are enrolled in a very critical raffle for a priceless Snowflake Jake postcard, but rather than just auctioning it or selling it like normal people, you've got a raffle, and you've got to actually turn in and buy your ticket at a very specific time which is two hours from whenever we start or something like that. I want the snowflake, Jake. All right. So here are complications. Sparky's house light is out, which I think is changed to just the electricity is out in general. Yeah. Kike has a gift card for antiquing, but he does not know how much is left and no one will tell him. Hilda has a bunch of paper whenever she opens something. Sparky wants to enroll in a raffle for a Snowflake Jake postcard. However, she has to turn in her ticket at a very specific time. And then finally, uh, a kid confused Sparky for her grandmother. Which of these are we feeling right now? I really like finding paper everywhere. I feel like that will be a good annoyance. I was also going to vote for that one because it seems that Kyle, you also have like an idea on how to tie that in anyways, so. I also vote for paper, but I would really like the chance to one day get the Snowflake Jake poster because that's in my head now, so I must have it. I would also like to see that happen, if only because I love deadline complications. I really like the poster, but I think that the paper fits in nicely. All right, so... As we discuss what's happened since last time, 
let's just assume that there is a steady increasing flow of paper <laughs> just mm. on Hilda's floor, showing the passage of time. <laughs> so last time we all saw you, you went to Necromon dueling camp together. It was Camp Lagoon owned by Sparky's friend Chaz Casey. During that time, Sparky talked with Lucas and Chaz about the fact that she couldn't get her Necromouse out, and she had a bit of a revelation of, maybe, you know, I'm a bit of a hassle. Maybe I'm the asshole. <laughs> Hilda and Kike told a story about something scary in a lake, which Walnut was determined to find it because they thought it was the most powerful Necromon in the world, or a really strong one. Hilda stopped Dame, and Walnut got real fucking pissy about it. Irene, meanwhile, was not there because Irene tried the follow, got lost, ran into Rasputin, who made a dark deal with her, saying, <laughs> I can point you to the right direction. Not even, I will give you this Boidle Rat to show you the right direction. And now she just has this Boidle Rat. Yeah. A Boidle Rat. Yeah. But in exchange, Irene owes the mysterious figure who gave her that Boidle Rat an undisclosed favor in the future. So that's all what happened last time. But since that time, bless my soul, Hilda's on a roll. Person of the week in every Valley opinion poll. What a pro. Irene could stop a show. Point her at a trainer and you're talking SRO. Oh my God. The tournament's been going on. It has been a time. Maybe it's been a month. Maybe it's been multiple months. I haven't really decided, but the point is Hilda and Irene, you have continued to progress in the tournament. In fact, you have made it to the finals. You are part of the final four. Irene, you're the best in the world, right? You're the greatest Necromon trainer of all time. So like, it's been easy for you. Hilda, it's been uncomfortably easy for you. But you've progressed, I guess. And speaking of Hilda, you had a bit of a revelation about the tournament and your thoughts on it last time. So I kind of want to know, how has Hilda been handling that? Uh, I don't think Hilda has been, like, trying to do poorly or anything like that. But she has definitely kind of shifted her attention away from the tournament and is now just focusing more on spending time with her friends or exploring or just hanging out with Booker as opposed to training and all of the nonsense that accompanies. And spending time with your friends has been going relatively all right. I mean, Walnut was weird for a couple of days, but shifted back up to their generally perky attitude. That being said, and I don't know if you would have noticed this or not, Walnut does not make it much further in the tournament. In fact, Day pretty much stops talking about it after the camping trip. And in fact, you don't find out from Walnut that Day didn't go forward. You find out from Freddy. Besides that, what has been going on in all of your lives? Irene's been bonding with her Boidle Rat that she just has now. Yeah, does the boy is the Boidle Rat covered in trash, or is it like a moss rat now, or...? I mean, it's still trash because that's sort of <laughs> where it stemmed from. That is part of its body. Yeah, but now there's little grass shoots poking up around the trash. Aww. And little tiny blue flowers. Adorable. And they have actually really bonded well. It's still, you know, this was given to her by some kind of dark sorcerer in the woods, and that's still a little bit hanging over her head with this boil rat, but 
it's hers now and she loves it. Have you made a close enough connection that you don't have to use the necro card anymore? Or are you is still... that okay? Actually, give me give me a general hearts roll. Let's let's see how it's. Oh been. no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> a five and a four. A mixed success. We'll say it takes some time to get used to this boidle rat. So I have another option as well if we want to just have it be an unmitigated success. I have a move that is relevant for this called Take One for the Team. Once per adventure, I can increase the role of an NPC or fellow PC to a 10, ignoring stats, and in response, the Game Master is able to hold one hard move that targets my character in particular. So if you want, that can just be a, a full success. I don't want to use up your important roles for life. But you see, I do want to use it. So how do you, how do you, Hilda, help Irene bond with her oidal rat? I, I just kind of assumed that Hilda was going to be helpful by just being friendly in the background. Like, in a, in a Homestuckian sense, a, a pal leader. Not actively, like, directing anything, but just inspiring people by being nearby. What that actually looks like is probably just, like, Hilda is playing with Booker and maybe also with some of Irene's mon if they're allowed to wander around by Booker. They do what they will. And whether or not Irene is willing to admit this, this inspires her to do something fun with the boy rat. And then the hard move, which may come up this adventure, may not, will relate to the fact that we just flash to Walnut standing in like the corner, just like looking at the scene. And then the little telltale reminder pops up in the corner and it just says, Walnut will remember this. (laughs) (gasps) One other question for Hilda. Where did you put that blank page that you got a couple of sessions ago from Booker? Have you done anything with that? Uh, I may be remembering incorrectly, but last session wasn't the plan to have Kike examine it. That was the plan, but you never actually did that. Can I have done that in the meantime, <laughs> or would you rather we act this out in session? Uh, no, I think I think that's fine. Kike, uh, so you would have just walked up to Kike and had him do some analysis on it? Yes. What, what was it? So this is like the blank page that is presumably the one ripped out of Booker, oh. and Hilda is very suspicious because of where it came from, but also doesn't want to keep something away from Booker that would be good for him and just wants to know if this is good or bad for Booker. I want to say that to analyze it, Kike would do the exact sequence of events that Basil of Baker Street does when looking at that one paper in the beginning of the... The nestle the porter and he puts it through. (laughs) Great mouse detective. Yeah. To be too that are ducked that are tied together. Yes, 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 yes. He does all of that. And I, I imagine you probably have Hilda there for some of it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He would, like, explain to Hilda what he was doing and all of the. Hilda like... will be there. Hilda is an apprentice now. Hilda tries to speak and he's like, shh, don't speak. That's what Basil does to Dawson. That was a very specific yeah. reference. So the, and, and the experimentation definitely takes time. It takes, let's say, hypothetically, whatever amount of time this time skip took. <laughs> <laughs> nice save. Kike, I want you to roll me to understand, and we'll just do a, a plus one since Hilda's been helping you. Okay, roll to understand. So that's a nine. Okay, mixed success. So understand, you understand something, but then I will hold another thing, like another aspect of it you don't understand. So what is your question about this paper? I feel like that should be a question from Hilda because yeah. she asked. Yeah, 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 I'm... Yeah. 
would it be harmful to Booker to return it to him? Uh, I'll settle on that. I will say, I'll just give the simplest answer I can. No, <laughs> it is not harmful. Okay. Oh boy, because I thought you were saying the opposite. No, it is not safe. I thought you were saying no, I won't tell you that. <laughs> and for the sake of intrigue, we will say that Kike maybe found that out, but you don't have the page back with you yet. Okay. We can say maybe Kike has it on his possession and can bring it to wherever you are today. Interesting. I will say I am still keeping in the mix success for Kike because there are specific things he could have learned about the paper that he has not. Things that, in fact, only Kike could have learned about the paper. Oh, God damn it. But he does. He does not have that information anymore. I'm so. Mm. And then finally, finally, one last thing before we get into our session. Sparky, your car is finally back from Hellish Impound. I, that was my question. I was going to ask, is my car back? And you know how he said I save a hard move for that? No. Well, here's the hard move. One day your car appears, and when you walk up with the burst of flames, the receipt for it appears. It's zero dollars. He said he was going to do it for free. Yeah. But on the receipt are listed four things that they did. And the rest of us are going to go around no! and mention one thing that was fixed or that was improved on no! your van by Hellish Impound. I'll start with the one that was already listed. It can now go in reverse. I've got a really good one. The cassette deck has been replaced with a CD player. Ah! No! Not my cassette deck! One thing that has been not even, like, improved, I think, is that the car can now go at maximum speed, which is not necessarily that much of speed, but before the accelerator really didn't work that much, so it, she really couldn't floor it, but now she can floor it to the normal standards of that car. Maximum speed. Oh god, it's it's the worst though. It's like when you're used to driving a car that can't brake and then you get a car that when you tap the brakes it stops immediately. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> Terrible. Just constant like <laughs> So many close calls since then. <laughs> All right, and then Emily finally, what's the what's the final thing that's been fixed by this car? They reupholstered your interior. Oh. Does it have a different texture now via new upholstery? Different texture and like a different It's shade. got that new car smell. I don't like it. All right. With that multiple months worth of catching up done, let's get to today's adventure. Irene, we've looked at everybody else's house at some point. You know, we saw Kike's house when it was being attacked by the King Pecker, or at least his home in uh, the valley. We haven't seen his home in the hereafter yet. We saw Hilda's room when she was getting ready for school on the first day. And we saw Sparky's little trailer thing a whole lot of times. I think the final description length for that is like five minutes in the final episode. We haven't started with yours, so I want you to describe your room. But I want you to start by describing how Irene feels when she opens her eyes and wakes up from an afternoon nap. There's that general, slightly disoriented, I just napped for a while and now it's a different amount of light outside. But um, her skull hurts and underneath her skull hurts and outside of her skull hurts and it's right and she's tired she's a little bit crabby 
and when she swings her legs over the side of her bed, she wiggles her toes and tries to stretch out her knees. And when she stands up, she feels a little woozy, but then she's fine. And she very carefully makes her bed so that it is perfectly, the blankets are perfectly flat and tucked in. Her pillow is fluffed up. Her room is pristine. Everything's very nicely lined and perfectly placed where she likes it. There's plenty of comfy places to sit down and blackout curtains and some really nice calming things in there. None of them are used. Her blackout curtains are open. Her furniture is positioned nicely but has not been sat on. And there are a lot of plants. And every time Earl's just like, well, uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's try another one. You know, the doctor just says we have to use as many methods as we can. Or we could do no methods. Irene. I am fine. Goodbye, father. I must trade. (laughs) (laughs) And as you're thinking about that, suddenly, whoosh, the comforter on the bed flies open and you hear a time. Tylenoid! <laughs> As the little Boidle rat, which had been snuggling in bed with you, jumps out, spilling some of like the plant stuff from the trash all across the bed. Why are you always like this? Tylenoid! Tylenoid! It, Sit! It sits. Stay! She tries to brush off some of the dirt and remakes the bed. Okay. She lets it run around again. Tylenoid! Tylenoid! And the Boidle Rat starts running around, running past all of your other Necromon. She closes her eyes for a little bit and just breathes. And you can feel the voice just pounding in your head. Tylenoid! Tylenoid! It's so loud. (laughs) What's your Boidle Rat's signature stat, actually? Maybe slick because it's speedy and like high energy. Okay. This Boidle Rat has gotten very, very good into sneaking into places because, you know, it loves trash. But you know how cats will like sometimes bring you dead birds? The Boidle Rat rushes past your other mon and starts like digging around in your closet to grab miscellaneous things to grab to you. I love it so much. The Boidle Rat. The Boidle Rat. Such a good little Boidle Rat. What are the other mon doing? The Mossies just sort of like, they don't really stare because they're moss balls, but they just sort of like, every time a Boidle Rat is running around, (laughs) they're like the pouty pet who doesn't like that there's a new cat in the house. Like sometimes they'll just go up to like Irene and just like very lightly nom on like, she's on, clearly annoyed, just complaining. (laughs) She'll squinch their little heads. This makes them very happy. Malaya is another one of those pets that doesn't like the new pet, but instead of being just grumpy and not doing anything, it's the one that would like bork or like or like stuff like that at the new pet. So he's just like, <laughs> reprimanding the boiled rat when it starts running around and such. Olicop! Olicop! Pokio's cries earlier were because they are greatly affronted by the Boidle Rat's behavior. Pokio's got a very sharp and proper vibe going on. Uh, I mean, they're in training to be a chef, so like they can't mess around anymore. This Boidle Rat's gonna ruin it with its Boidle Ratness. <laughs> you hear a muffled, 
As the Boidle Rat comes out from deep, deep in the back of your closet, and you can see that she's got, between her teeth, one of the most impossible to find things hidden underneath a bunch of miscellaneous stuff you don't think about. A little, cheap, usually bought from the hospital kind of cane. This is not a good fetching tool. And she pulls it out of its mouth replaces it with a stick and stuffs it back in her closet. Boidle Rat is still happy because she got to give you something. (laughs) All right, and you hear a little knock, a little gentle, nervous knock on your door, and uh, I read, sweetheart, your heart is here. (sighs) Fine. She grabs her bag and walks gingerly out scooping up her different necromon. <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out what she would be doing with the Voidal Rat and where it would reside. Yeah, because the rest of them are small enough that they're just on like your shoulders or your pocket. But this is like, this is like the size of our dog Dusty. Like this is a 20 pound possum we're talking about here. I think the possum might need a bag. Yeah, I think the possum's <laughs> in the bag. And part of what the moss balls were angry at is because they were supposed to be the ones who were allowed to ride in the bag whenever they wanted. Oh, no. So she has switched that to arguably the more desirable riding in her pockets. But the fact is still that even though in any other situation that would have been their ideal, now that they can't be in the worst version of that, they're very upset. Sleep, Sam. <laughs> Sleep, Sam. Well, maybe if someone would teach it how to turn small, we would not be having this discussion. Sam. <laughs> As Irene is saying that, she's being like jerked back because Boidle Rat is just kind of fidgeting in the bag, occasionally like lurching her backwards. Not intentionally. She's just very squirrely. Please stay still, little Boidle Rat. Please. And she, like, pats the bag. (laughs) The Boidle Rat is happy. She puts another stick in the bag for it to chew on. Well, uh, that's another new exciting friend you got there, kiddo. Yes. You gonna bring them to 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 the big party today? Since I have to go to the party, yes. Oh, right, yeah. Um... So, and Earl is just standing there, desperately trying to figure out what to say to you. Thank you for your consideration. (laughs) He has a big smile. No problem, kiddo. And I am not a child. (laughs) And at that, the doorbell rings and he's like, oh, well, your ride must be here. Irene cringes at the sound. Both physically and emotionally, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah, and do you get the door before Earl does? Because Earl will slowly shuffle towards the door. Irene crosses her arms and does not answer the door. (laughs) Earl opens it up, and the conversation goes as it has gone every single time. Well, hello there, uh, hello there, son. Greetings, Earl. Well, let's let's get in for a hug. Uh, Okay, a one-handed hug. That's uh, that's fine too. Uh, Irene, Irene, your, uh, your brother's here. Great. And with his face looking down at you, you see in the doorway, Big Brother Elliot. Hello there. 
sister? <laughs> she does not answer. <laughs> Are we going to go or? Fine. So you get in the car with like, I'm assuming you're going to move the bag so it's like on your lap. Um, at the very beginning, maybe. And it's a nice car. It's sports car adjacent, you know, nice four door, completely black, perfectly polished. And your brother, who did not open the door for you, I want to specify, gets in, sits down, turns it on, and without saying a word to you, starts driving. Irene lets out the boidle rat. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> in yes. Elliot's really nice car. Yes. Tell him, tell him, tell him. And she just starts booking around, searching for something to give him. And you know what? She isn't trying to, but I'm going to roll to take a swing to see if I break something. All right, that is a five. So the boidle rat doesn't break anything, but she lunges onto his sheet. He's like, ah, and he like turns it and then moves it back. And then she jumps into the back seat and starts running around, like sniffing things, trying to dig for stuff, not doing much damage because it's a very nice car, but she's trying to find something. And Elliot, without turning to face you, says, So I see you got another one. Oops, she got out. You know, you should have a better handle on things like that. I imagine even the most pedestrian necromon trainer would at least be able to do that. High-level necromon trainers have an understanding with their necromon, the likes of which someone like you cannot understand. Hmm. It is important for us all to understand our limitations. This is one of yours, one of many. You know full well, sister, that a Hawthorne is not supposed to have limitations. And yet you do. I suppose you're right. I suppose that I do have a failure in that I do not see being a terrible necromon trainer as some sort of inverse way of being a spectacular one. No, it is because people do not like you. I think uh, that yes. you can come across as abrasive because you are the worst. Right, friends. I've been seeing your duels. You've been relying on them more lately. I do not agree with that assessment, but as you do not come to many duels, I can understand why it is very difficult for you to understand what happens throughout one of these duels. He sits there and he ponders what you say for a moment. I suppose they just have not left a strong impression on me. I do intend to be there for the championships, though, so please do make them exciting. My duels are always exciting. And she makes a little grabby hand at the Boidle Rat to come and sit on her lap. The Boidle Rat immediately jumps in and, and jumps down, and it brushes past Elliot and drops some of her dirt on him and trash. And he stops, looks down, disdainfully wipes off some of the dirt and says, well, look at that. We have arrived. Finally, Irene says, who could have walked away right then, but felt like she needed to get the last word in. And yeah, as you leave, we notice him be like, finally, what do you mean by fine? And the door shuts on him. <laughs> 
Just like Elliot drove Irene to the party, the announcement break will drive you to the next part of this episode. That was incredibly forced and linked the announcement break to Elliot, which nobody ever wants to be associated with ever. But here we are in the announcement break. This is the announcement break for Die Card Part 1, and this is going to be Part 1 out of 4. The next two adventures, this one and the next main adventure after this, are going to be a bit of longer ones. The next one because it's the finale of this first arc, and this one because it just got a bit out of hand. So, again, this is Part 1 out of 4. For today's call to action, I want to talk about our five-year anniversary stream we did a couple of weeks ago. So we did that back on September 25th. We had an absolute blast. If you missed it, you can find a recording on our streaming channel. But the part that I want to talk to you about today is that during that stream, we played a game called TKO in order to, as I joked, make Quest Friends new official merch. Except that wasn't a joke because we made some. I Crave Violence is the name of the next greatest masterpiece on the Quest Friends merch store. It's an adorable little gremlin-y zombie drawn by Emily with the text, I Crave Violence. There's not much more to it than that. It's just a fun little shirt that we are releasing today, and I really like it. I'm probably going to get something with it, so I'd encourage you to check it out, and if you find it cute, maybe get something. Again, financially for us, not nearly as big of a deal as support on Patreon or anything like that, but it's a fun design, so I wanted to make sure you knew about it. Today's promo is going to be for another podcast called Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together. Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together is an Owl House reaction podcast that has gotten through the Owl House, except for the upcoming episodes, and so now is also a She-Ra reaction podcast. I guessed it on there a couple of months ago, and then I'll be doing an upcoming bonus episode with them in a couple of weeks. But, as I often say, don't just take my word for it. Let's listen to the promo from the creators themselves. Hey, Chloe. Hey, nobody. Do you want to watch some gay cartoons? Boy, howdy. Do you want to talk about it on the internet? Sure, I got nothing else going on. Do you want to record those discussions and put them out in weekly episodes? Why not? <laughs> I'm glad to hear it, because we've been making that show for almost a year now. We've already done episodes about all of the L House that's out so far, and now we're working on going through She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. You can join us at Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together to hear us talk all about uh, cartoons and their very gay content. And uh, we do have at least some uh, good experience at that, considering we're queer ourselves. That's very true. We're just a couple of non-binary weirdos talking about queer cartoons, or cartoons that should be queer, depending on uh, network interference. Or cartoons that aren't queer at all, but we want them to be. <laughs> Come join the show and join us at Us Weirdos Cast on Twitter or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Sold? Who sells podcasts? Uh, we do now. <laughs> well, this is news to me. But seriously, it's free and we don't do any ads. So I think for now there's nothing much left to say, but uh, remember, Us that's Weirdos have to, have to stick together. together. Bye. Bye. So if that show sounds interesting to you, you can find it at usweirdoscast.podbean.com. You can find it at Us Weirdos Cast on Twitter. And of course, you can find it by searching Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together on whatever podcatcher you're currently listening to this show on. That's all I've got for you today. Our next episode is actually going to be this year's Halloween special. So I hope you will join us for the Damon Delivery on Monday, October 31st. I'll see you then.
and you walk in to the Scubacore International Necromon Championship Finals Gala. It is a few days before the championships. The four finalists of the Scubacore International Championship are going to face off and to celebrate, Scubacore has hosted a mandatory for finalists celebration. <laughs> it is at the top of the Scubacore space scraper, which towers so tall that you cannot see the top of it through the clouds. For the most part, it's a tower, a gigantic, thin piece. Although you can see there are like leaves on a branch jutting out giant arenas where the tournament will be held. They're still doing some work on it. Is the top just exposed to vacuum people in spacesuits building the last parts? Yes, they are, as Tom alluded to, currently working on the more vacuum of space parts. <laughs> Your party, however, is on the, let's say 300th floor. Why not? Your party is on the 300th floor. It is one of the highest ones before they get to construction, and it is where the headquarters of Scuba Corps are. These are close to actually Oset Scuba's offices. So Irene, you get in one of the elevators, you can just feel gravity absolutely lose you. Like that internal thing in your ear that keeps you balanced just goes all out of whack as you shoot up hundreds and hundreds of feet in the sky in the matter of seconds. And when the door opens, you find yourself in a really nice space. It is a wide square room. There is a spiral staircase leading to the executive offices above. There is like a bar on the side, lots of people mingling in their fancy gala outfits. In the center, there's actually a little oik pond <laughs> that has a bunch of oik in it and has that blue light that surrounds the Necromon arenas just gently purring and humming in it, keeping these oik connected to the here. And you know what? I'll say they're koi pigs since oik sounds like oink. I was going to say that. They're little koi pigs. Little koi pigs. So everyone was mandatorily invited to come here. You had to sign a little waiver, you know, all of that stuff. And every person who was invited got to invite a plus one. Irene, did you invite a plus one? Absolutely not. <laughs> How about you, Hilda? You are there. Did you invite any of like your moms or a friend or anyone like that? Would either of Hilda's moms or any of her friends really want to go to a formal party in the Scuba Corps headquarters? Um, let me think about that. Freddie, he'd have no interest. He likes people watching, but it'd be like you asked him to go to the mall. You'd get the same. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. The mall would be better than Oset Scuba. Yeah, basically. Uh, Walnut would pretend not to hear you and then claim that Day wasn't interested. Uh, you don't need to see a role to know that that's a lie. Mm. And then your moms, yeah, they're your moms. They'd be really excited. Yulia, less so. Yulia is, you know, a businesswoman, but she's not a woman of many words. But Alina, yeah, this is kind of Alina's jam. You know what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if she would enjoy it, Hilda will invite her mom, Alina, as a plus one. Okay. Alina is there and she is dressed up in full. Like, I don't know if you dressed up at all, but she is full clown, like harder makeup, bigger clown nose, bigger pigtails, polka dot dress. Like she is fancy. So she is dressed out to the nines. 
in full clown attire. I've made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Sparky, you were not invited, but... Au contraire, mon frere. You did get a plus one invitation from a Mr. Lucas Bang. That was where I was going. I was going to be like, I'm Lucas Bang's plus one, and I will fight you on it, <laughs> even though you're God. You are. Yeah. He he knocked on the door. He sent you, uh, let's say he <laughs> sent you a formal invitation, and then you never responded because you're Sparky Malarkey. I don't check my mail. I don't have an address. You can't find me. That's where the bills go. <laughs> I was going to say he delivered the invitation by hand at the door. Yes, Absolutely. He delivered it with that and then like a little little flowers box of chocolates. Cute. Aww. And then finally, Kike, you are working. <laughs> Among all the other things, there are a series of vendors and one of them is Kimmy Card giving out free samples of all of their cards. And you're not sure why or how, unless you have a reason you want to give, but you were very quickly volunteered to do this tonight. Uh... I, I don't know. I don't have a good idea as to why he was volunteered. Maybe because nobody else wanted to and he wasn't paying attention when they classic did the nose ghost thing. <laughs> Except they wouldn't do it for its skeletons because that would be kind of rude. He has no nose. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, that is where all of you are at in the party. Go. <laughs> Hilda, somewhat embarrassed, is going to flee her mom's presence uh, as soon as possible and just try to mingle away. But like, she feels a little bad because part of the rationale was having someone who understood this place better nearby. Yeah. But upon seeing Sparky Malarkey here, I'm assuming Sparky is spending this whole time with Lucas Bang, right? Yeah, no, I'm with, I'm with, I'm with Lucas with the bang. So you've been spending time with Lucas Bang. Yeah. Maybelline keeps trying to get him to do things. Yeah, fucker. Like, oh, Lucas, you gotta do this. Oh, Lukey Poo, we need you to sign some stuff. Oh, Lukey Poo, you have some fans here, and we want to make sure no one photobombs it. <laughs> but Lucas keeps kind of trying to brush her off, being like, oh, well, I'll come do that later, Maybelline. Oh, yeah, I, I know, Maybelline, all of that kind of stuff. So... Seeing this, Hilda is going to glare a little bit. (laughs) And then she's going to head over to the punch table, take a napkin, hastily jot something down on it in pen, and then fold the napkin into a paper airplane. (laughs) And then just try to discreetly sneak closer and then fly the paper airplane to Sparky. I have a question. Yes. Is Booker here? Yes. Booker tries to snap it out of your hand before you can throw it. Booker, come on. Rekub! Unless you want to bring it. <gasps> Do you want to bring it? Rekub! Okay, you just gotta take this, this secret message to the boss. You can do it. Rekub! Alright, Booker, roll me stealth. A six and a four. Hey! Hey! hey. So that's a full success. Holy shit. Describe how how the message secretly gets to Sparky. Yes, go, Booker. I'm just picturing Booker just scuttling beneath people's ankles. Yeah. Just like skittering up until he can like nudge Sparky. Booker's feeling cool. Booker's feeling slick. Booker's feeling like he is just super spy. Doing a great job. Um... Sparky doesn't usually have this much access to free food and alcohol, so she is making the most of it. Um, her dress, so Sparky doesn't have nice 
Lowe's. But she would have like gone to a Goodwill or something before coming to this party. I don't really know what she would wear, so I googled Miss Frizzle formal and <laughs> get really good results. But I did get some like almost Nancy Drew type dresses. They look old fashioned, uh, but the important thing is that they have pockets. And I'm gonna put some bread in my pocket, and then um, while I'm while Sparky's just like casually like slipping things into her pockets. Booker either like bites her while her hand is going down into her pocket by accident. By accident? Or Booker just bites her. Would it be an accident? <laughs> yeah, you'd have it coming. So the note says, need to talk to you in private. Urgent plans for Scuba Corp. Signed, Hilda. <laughs> what the cripes is this? Cool. And then Hilda is just unsubtly in sight, <laughs> a few tables away. Just staring, wide-eyed. Yeah, just staring over. Because I'm scanning for Hilda. The, the problem is that I don't want to leave Lucas Bang unattended, lest Maybelline exists in proximity. So... Lucas, you remember my protege, right? She's, of course you do. She's one of the finalists. She was invited to the party. She's over, she's over there. Uh, let's go, let's go say hi. Oh, oh yeah, that... That sounds delightful. Hilda, you see as Sparky turns to you, but you also see as Lucas Bang sheepishly raises one of his giant hands, like just as a hello wave towards you. Hilda will awkwardly kind of wave back, but also <laughs> not be entirely able to hide like, oh, you're here too. <laughs> Lucas Bang may or may not swiftly realize that he is dragging a book along because Booker has chomped down on his pant leg. This man has oh. thick tree trunk legs. He does not feel a thing. That's why I said may or may not have noticed. All right. Yeah. So you're you're walking. He's walking over Booker in tow. Booker is nothing if not loyal to <laughs> And if she thinks Lucas Bang is at all mildly sketch or has narrowed her eyes in any way towards him. Booker will be there to kill. <laughs> As we approach, uh, Sparky is going to be like, Hilda, I'm so glad that you made it. Um, you remember Lucas Bang, of course, International Necromont Championship, uh, Scuba Corps guy. Mm -hmm. And um, um, oh, you don't um, need to worry about. I'm just here enjoying the party like everyone else. Yes, he's just here enjoying the party like everybody else. And she kind of like. You know the way that dates will hold on to, like, the other person's arm? Like an escort? Like, when you're escorting a lady, she's the yeah, lady. Yeah. She's just kind of holding on to Lucas's arm, and she glances around for Maybelline. <laughs> and she's like, yes, he's enjoying himself, and he finally has some time off to not do things. Other people are asking him. Anyway, what, uh, how are you enjoying the party? Uh, it, it, it's kind of weird, to be honest. I don't know if fancy parties are really my thing. But um, I was very curious to explore Scuba Corp headquarters because it's such an interesting place that's so very connected to Necromon and Booker, who is also a Necromon. And cool. I just thought this would be an excellent time to maybe maybe our only chance to see what it's like inside here. That. Oh, that that sounds Lucas Bang jumping in at the opportunity to get away from this overstimulating environment. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I actually I have uh, mid level clearance, so I can uh I can help show you two around. Would you really? Uh, oh yeah. I think that would be a great opportunity 
to see scoop or core mid-level clearance areas. Yeah, that is actually a pretty good plan. <laughs> I pretend not to hear the disappointment in Hilda's voice. I should I should tell someone we're going to head out though first. Oh, why bother? Oh, I can just uh, let let you someone know. know. You know, um, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it where out. Where is Maybelline? Oh, you know what? I think she left <laughs> over there. Oh, oh, that's true. Oh, oh, wait. Sa- Sammy's over there, though. Uh, hey, hey, Sammy, Sammy. And he motions to this man. I've mentioned Sammy Esther a few times, and every time I've said that he wears a hoodie under a comfortable rustic brown coat, that has not changed. <laughs> at the formal party. So you see this figure in this coat with a little name tag on it that says, hi, my name is Sammy, uh, this possessed doll, because I don't think I've officially said he's one of the dead. He's like a possessed doll kind of dead. Uh, walks up and is like, what do you need? Oh, well, uh, could you just tell Maybelline that we're going to go go, go around a little bit? Oh, you're going to explore? All right. Be careful, though. The upper floors are still under construction, and nails are... He starts sniffling. Nails are incredibly deadly. (laughs) (laughs) So before the end of this of this adventure, someone has to be killed by nail. That's how it is. You've set that up. That's the law. You've set up Sammy's nail, which is now the new name for Chekhov's gun. Sammy's nail. All right. Yeah, you got mid-level clearance. Is there a place you want to go with your mid-level clearance? I mean, obviously, Oset Scuba's office, but we can't say that with the aggressive bandit here. So. Hilda is just going to, like, suggest any way that seems, like, secretive and places that could have secrets. You don't have, like, a library or anything up here, do you? With, I don't know, I don't know what corporations keep on. Uh, lots of ledgers, but there actually is a room. There's, uh, it's not a library, but it's kind of like a hall of previous Necromon uh, trainers. And there's some really cool stuff in there. Oh, that does sound cool. Cool. <laughs> There's actually, and there's a viewing, there's a viewing lounge to, uh, to Mr. Scuba's collection, too. Ooh. His collection? Yeah, I'll go show you. And Lucas Bang walks off. Okay. I guess we follow. Yeah, off we go. Um, but while we're walking, I want to do that stage whisper thing that, like, someone else would be able to hear in person. But they do in cartoons to be like, these characters are having a moment. Yeah. Sorry, he'd be with Maybelline all night if I didn't just... Happy with you, but it's working out, right? He can show us around. But what was the urgency? What did you wanna what did you wanna look at? Oh, I just I just I thought we could break into like the Scuba Corp offices and find out what's going on. Cool. We were gonna get the big break in your story and maybe figure out why they had things for Booker. Cool. I'm gonna put a hand on her shoulder then and be like, I'm so proud of you at a fancy party to celebrate your championness, and all you think about is the scoop. I mean, it was a good excuse to get away. It's very loud in there. And we're going to flash over and the music is blasting. It's fancy classical music, but maybe it's like classical music to duel to. (laughs) Kike, you have a woman in front of you in full clown makeup who is just bombarding you with questions. Oh, this is such an interesting card here. So exactly what materials is it made out of? I know that this is not the first model that you made. This is many multiple models. Now, Hilda has been talking an awful lot about chemistry lately, and I haven't been able to fully describe to her how all of the things in this card work, but I I really want to get... Oh, Hilda's my daughter. I'm so sorry. I did not explain that to you, sir. (laughs) My daughter, Hilda, she's one of the finalists up there. You can see her. 
and she points to a sign showing the finalists, and you see a picture of Hilda, a picture of Irene, a picture of Rasputin in a wig that is labeled <laughs> TT, and then a mystery guest, a mystery person. And so I just, I, you know, I try, I, I'm trying to connect however I can. You know, you, you know how that is. Uh, yeah, well, so I uh, actually... I'm acquainted with your kid. She's a pretty smart kid, in fact. Uh, I met her at a careers fair a couple of months ago, and we have been talking about chemistry, and I know that she's also interested in alchemy, so uh, I may have also instilled more of her interest for chemistry. I am I am glad that she... Are you Mr. Kike? Yes, uh, ma'am. Uh, that is... Yuli and I have, have so much to thank you for. Do you need, like, some money for the tutoring or something like that? Oh, no, 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 not, felt- not at all. Please, I, I am doing it because I enjoy teaching kids and getting kids excited about these kind of things, you know, preparing the future scientists and all of that. I feel like we're kind of running out of that <laughs> in the current time. So uh, I, I really thank you for you thanking me. I'm really glad that <laughs> you've seen a difference on your kid with my few tutoring classes. <laughs> Well, she loves it. It's going to be on her track to be a future scientist, plus journalist, plus necromon trainer, plus whatever other additional thing she's added this week. Yeah, sure. I, I suppose she's very, uh, she has a lot of hobbies and interests. So I don't know about all of those other interests, but I can at least help with the chemistry and science part of her development for sure. Oh, and you were asking about the card components. There's a, and he's going to hand a little pamphlet where he talks about like, how we are these things made with a lot of like drawings and explanations and stuff. And it's like, "Uh, this has a lot of informational content on how these cards are made and the different materials that go into it that I am a part of designing as well. Though, I mean, that is not all the the things I do, but that's probably some of the things that your daughter has uh, mentioned as well. Well, you know how kids are these days, not telling her mother anything. But, you know, I, I, that's why I'm trying to learn without being obtrusive. Yeah, you know, they, sometimes they get at that age where they stop talking with their cool parents or their cool uncles. And they just, you know, <laughs> feel like they know so much about the world and their family members are so uncool all of a sudden. So it, basically, I understand the stress. But, uh, you know, I'm glad I at least was able to connect with Hilda in this. I understand that so well. Like, Hilda's been doing her own thing, and then her cousins don't even get us started on her cousins. They just act like we're nothing nowadays, you know? And, and you know, I'm glad that Hilda still finds some adults cool, but we can't all be hip and with the times like, uh, like, uh, like Sparky or anything like that. So, you know, we gotta... Uh, I, I'm just really... <sighs> we feel seen right now. <laughs> I know that, you know, Hilda has a lot of interests with a lot of different adults and she keeps finding them cool, which is good. It's fine. I just, you know, just a little keep an eye on that sparky <laughs> lady. Uh, she can be some trouble now and again. You know, probably nothing. Nothing too bad. You know, Hilda can still go. But uh, she can maybe be a bit of a railing influence on this age where teenagers are finding themselves. Alina's eyes light up. You know Sparky Malarkey. Oh, do I know Sparky <laughs> Malarkey. I'm so proud of her. You know, I'm always telling her to make friends with adults, but she always just likes hanging out in that van by herself. I'm so... <sighs> now 
I really need to need to thank you helping out my daughter and one of my best friends. You really are a saint, sir. Ah, yeah, Sparky's one of your <laughs> best friends. Yeah. Uh you're welcome, ma'am. <laughs> uh, Sparky, I feel like sometimes needs to spend more time with her other adult friends that aren't me. So if you can also tell her to do that sometimes, that would be good for me as well. Listen, Mr. Kike, you and I are of the same mind about this. I've got your back. Uh, thank you. I, uh... Got yours as well? Oh no! And she like reaches back and she pulls out from the back as if like pulling out a spine or something. Pulls out a bit of confetti. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say that she pulls like Kika's, <laughs> Kika's actual hand. Like, I got your back! Yes, yes, that's what she does. She pulls out your hand and says, Oh no! I almost walked away with this! And she hands it back to you. How did this get here? Hmm, he's just gonna like stare and they're like, hmm. All right, well, uh, thank you, ma'am. Say hello to Hilda for me. I absolutely will. Do not say hello to Sparky for me, though. That's fine. Just Hilda. Okay, thanks. Don't like this alliance that's forming. Anyways, Alina walks off and you notice, Kike, that this is a third hand. Oh, God. You have both of your hands, but this is a third skeleton hand. Hmm, and he's going to start looking around to see if he <laughs> finds another skeleton key clone in the vicinity. Roll me. We don't really have a perception, so we'll do maybe understand just to see. The, the question being, do I see another key clone? All right. Understand. That's a 10. Nice. You see a figure, a very familiar figure wearing the same outfit you are, looking around and looking down at a missing hand and then walking off behind like a door. Uh, Kike, I mean, he's like on his like work hours. So he's not, <laughs> I know he's going to like send one of his hands <laughs> to track that guy because i mean now he has like an extra pair so in case something <laughs> happens to that do you have any ap i will let you do this if you spend one ap i don't have any ap can i spend ap on ari's behalf to allow this to happen i'm also willing to spend ap oh yes thank you i will say if both of you spend an ap i i will just okay. let it happen without a roll i can do that ap spent yeah, your hand tracks this man perfectly. Uh, and we've got to make the clones unique. So let's see, Eddie had a mustache. What is what is unique about this one? Um, I mean, the unique thing now is that he doesn't have an arm, but- Okay, yeah, <laughs> one hand. This TK looks identical to you, but he is missing his, let's say, left hand. Sure. Perfect, so you have a hand that is tracking him. This is a new ability skeletons have, didn't you know? They can send out their body parts. And I will, in the future, I will let you do this thing, sending out your body part with a roll, but without spending AP. Oh. But since this is your new ability for skeletons, I figured we should spend some AP for it. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. Uh, and Irene, you're here too. What are you up to? As Kike is busy sending off his own hand, perhaps he is distracted enough to be startled when a human hand mm -hmm. slams on the table in front of him. Hello. 
Ah, hello, little Irene detective. How are you doing today? The noir music kicks in. <laughs> I am doing adequately. I have come because I saw from across the room that there is a bearable individual here. Congratulations. Well, I can say the same thing for you, kid. Thank you, yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you can, you can hang out in here. I am actually in the middle of another detective mystery. If you happen to see a skeleton that looks just like me, but without this, then he's gonna take the hand. Let me know. But you don't have a yes, hand. Yes, that is correct, but mine is my right hand, and this one would be on the left. <laughs> so your replacement hand is also a left hand, so if you can't get your right hand back, you will have two left hands. Yes. Christ. Correct. <laughs> oh no. Perfect. Beautiful. That would make me ambidextrous. <laughs> I think you might have mentioned before that Kike's ambidextrous, or you. That I don't might have think been I did. I, I didn't actually have. Well, he's actually left-handed, but if he has two left hands, he would be ambidextrous because both of them would be the left hand. <laughs> That's how biology works. You're a skeleton. Biology <laughs> is not a factor. That is how biology that works in me. A neuroscientist saying this. <laughs> yeah, you are you are a doctor. You are a doctor right now. So like, as of the airing of this episode, as of the airing of this episode, mm-hmm. as of the airing of this episode, that's correct. Oh. Anyways, yeah, he says that to Irene, and he also there's like a chair or something. I imagine like maybe there was somebody that was supposed to come and never came, so there's a chair there. So he's gonna pull it up to Irene and be like, if you wanna sit, you know. My shift takes a bit to end, so, uh... I do not need to sit, she says, and slowly, gingerly lowers herself into the chair. Kike also, like, perceptively, like, pushes the chair forward so that she can see, without it looking like it's, like, an actual thing he's doing. I have been investigating why my brother is bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's because he's a bad person. And no one likes him. You know, I, I know a thing or two about terrible relatives. <laughs> <laughs> Flashback to Lion now before you leave and being like, Hey, Kike, you want to go out tonight? I got a, I got a, I got an extra ticket to the bowling thing. You can be my plus one. And like slams door <laughs> as he's leaving to go to work. I'm happy to work with you too. I work at the same company. <laughs> I also signed up. Ah, uh, no, you know what? It was, uh, somebody actually signed up before you. Oops, you don't have to. You enjoy your bowling concert thing. I'll tell the boys to say hi. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, we're back to the present day. And as you're talking, Sammy Esther walks up to you, Kike, and says, uh, Excuse me, have you seen, uh, have you seen Maybelline around? The presentation's about to begin, and... And he looks like really nervous. If a if a possessed Raggedy Andy doll could sweat, he would be sweating. And he's like, I uh, I haven't seen Maybelline or Mr. Scuba around anywhere. And I uh, I can't present again. <laughs> oh, I've seen Mr. Scuba. He's right here. And then <laughs> show the one of the flyers that has Mr. Scuba's face in the flyer for the cards. And then just like, eh, no, just <laughs> kidding. I haven't seen him. Do you know who this Maybelline person is? And turn to Irene, because I don't think Kike, like, 
She was in the theater, but I don't think Kike even registered slash interacted No, with her. and, like, your contracts would likely be with her, but that's hot, too high level for you. Mm. Like, she is Scuba Corps' number two, so she's the kind of woman who would reiterate who she is and make a presence, but, like, there's no reason at all that Kike should remember her. Okay. She is the evil Sparky. I imagine Kike would not give a fuck about this woman. Kike would think <laughs> evil Sparky, like anti-Sparky, would be Kike's friend. <laughs> so like, you know, the enemy of my enemy kind of thing. All right, how about Pink Sparky? We'll call her Pink Sparky. <laughs> Pink Sparky, okay. I don't like this insult to me. In either case, no, you. I, I agree. Even if you had encountered her, I can't imagine her as someone Kike would give a shit about remembering. Yeah, I don't think so. So he would just ask Irene, like, do you know who this lady is? Have you seen this Maybelline person? Yes, and I do not like her. All right, well, I automatically do not like her either. Sorry, <laughs> Mr. Esther. Ah, that's just like the chemical compound. <laughs> that's a good one. He looks very confused. He doesn't, he doesn't get the joke. Ah, that's a good one. Irene repeats, not knowing what it actually is, but Kike agreed with her, so now she's agreeing with Kike. Oh, oh, right. Uh, 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 great. It was, it was a good joke. Uh, well, if, if you see Maybelline... Tell her to leave. No, tell her to talk to me. I am sorry for your loss. <laughs> he looks deep into your eyes, and he has emotionless puppet eyes. But you can still feel the sadness in it. He says, thank you. <laughs> All right, we're going to move. We're going to move to Sparky. You are in the library. It looks like a very futuristic, a very like, you know, sleek hardwood floor, you know, very cold metal shelving library mm. filled with a bunch of archaic books because it's a lot of really old stuff. Interestingly, this doesn't have any direct light, which considering how old these things are actually makes a lot of sense considering what light can do. Instead, everything is controlled by this very light blue light. Because when you walk in, you can see half of the room is that old stuff. But the other half is behind this impossibly thick glass wall. And inside of this wall is a room that is all white with the exceptions of the rows of blue light going around the edges. And as you enter, you actually hear a deep dragon-like scream muffled behind the lights. Lucas actually jumps. He's like, ah, oh, oh it's just, it's just Mr. Scuba's collection. Because inside of that, there are a bunch of stands and each of these stands has their own glass boxes that also have a bluish light in it. And what you see are living, moving Necromon. Far in the back, you see this giant blue dragon with piercing white eyes. There is another creature fluttering around. It looks kind of like a fuzzy little ball with giant wings and adorable big eyes. There is a big orange gauntlet that is labeled Arm of the Forbidden One. And there are a bunch of other things too, like there is this neighing giant bed and next to it, a series of snakes built out of bed sheets. <laughs> and each of these are again, contained in their own little container with blue light and you can see the glass around them. Cool. 
So is this like a personal zoo or what's the deal here? How can he keep them like this? Booker gently thumps against one of the things. Hey, you okay, buddy? Yeah. Hilda's Hilda's just gonna turn to Lucas Bang and just say, why are they kept like that? This isn't right. Oh, the, um, well... And Lucas Bang is kind of at a loss for words. But before he can say anything, you hear another door open. So what do you think of my collection? And turning over, you see a man, a young man. Fucking teenager. He wears a scuba cord jacket, but it's longer and it's all black. And this black kind of reflects against his neon green dyed hair. He has a long golden octagonal device running up his forearm with a series of slits in it, which you would know from the little you've learned of this man are the way Oset Scuba releases his necro cards. As soon as he speaks, Hilda picks up Booker and holds him tight. Booker squishes his little eye stalks down further. Are you the trainer for these Necromon? Trainer? I don't participate in such frivolities. No, I am a collector, and this is my masterpiece. Even if there are some pieces missing. And he looks towards a shelf, and you can see one of the things, instead of holding a Necromon in it, holds another blank page. You have no right to keep them this way. Record. What is so different from this way than from keeping them in a card? Booker kicks his little legs. Not every trainer uses cards, and even if they did, at least their Necromon get to move around, get to see the world. This isn't right. Don't get to move around. What really is so different between sitting here in my pristine collection where they are safe and secured than staying in some feeble little card only brought out for the sake of battling? Rekub, 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 Rekub! And then he kicks his little legs again, clearly explaining something very important. Necromon are dangerous creatures. We do them and us a service by keeping them safe. No, Necromon have bonds with their trainers. If you let all of those Necromon go, would they come back to you? Bonds. <laughs> and he puts his hand on the panel and it kind of like his fist curls. In battle, in life, in death, nothing matters more than power. You're a monster and I'm, I'll see all of those Necromon free. I don't care how. Rekub! And you can't see it, but we have like the evil in the reflection, an evil sinister smile as it all comes together. Yes, yes, yes. Well, how about we have a wager? The champion of the Intermortal Necromon Championship is able to take away anything from my family's collection. And we have only been refused a few times. And he gives a pointed look at Lucas Bang. But, as it turns out, we have an open slot. You see, the four champions were meant to be you, Irene Hawthorne, T.T. Romanov, and Olga Romanov. 
Olga never show. So that leaves an open spot for an enterprising youth or teen to participate in the tournament. And as it so is, I am 19 years old. <laughs> it's all come full circle. You win. You can take as much as you want from my collection. But if I win, I am allowed to complete it. Rekob. Mr. Scuba, why do you want Booker so bad? Is it just because he's rare and you like collecting rare things? Or do you have a bigger plot? It's simply like collecting rare things. How disrespectful. I am the world's greatest collector. Oh, well, excuse me. Do you know why my hair is green? <laughs> I've never once wondered it a single time in my life. But yeah, tell me why. <laughs> As we all know, Necromon have a blue light surrounding them. They are simple creatures, mindless creatures, that can only say their names in reverse. Now, there are more powerful Necromon, some from deep in the afterworld. We call those Ultra Necromon. But there are tales of Necromon from someplace even deeper. Necromon with green light surrounding them. You might call them legends. I call them legendary. Because legends... A very important distinction. Legends suggest that they are not real. Legendary suggests that they are, but they are simply so incredible people cannot understand them. Much like myself. I have spent years collecting these Ultra Necromon, and to be honest, I can wager them because they are but nothing to me. They are but stepping stones to something far greater. Recoba! And this hair is a reminder that my resolve is unwavering. Booker looks up at Hilda, and I'm trying to figure out how he tries to communicate this. He's got his little legs, and he gestures to himself, Rekob. Then he gestures to the light, Rekob. And then he throws all his legs out and like waggles them around, Rekob. He's trying to communicate that he'll just break out. (laughs) (laughs) And then if Hilda looks confused at all, he's just going to start over. Rekub. 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 So Hilda has been staring straight ahead in a cold terror and just holding Booker tighter, but eventually she'll look down, try and see what Booker's pantomiming, and while she will largely miss just about all of the intended message, (laughs) she will at least get the resolve that Booker appears to be showing for the situation, and she'll gulp and say, well, I guess I have a new reason to be the champion. Security alert! Security alert! Suddenly, a giant metal impenetrable door slams down in front of the wall-sized window that was separating you from Oset's collection. Irene and Kike, you also hear in the main lobby, the security alert! Hilda's gonna take the chance to run behind Sparky, just in case Oset tries something. Irene covers her ears. Oh, Kike would like subtly try to like shield her from the sound and like looking around to see what the alert is from and if there's a way to stop it. Oset actually looks confused and he's like, what manner of trickery is this? 
And he turns and he looks to, there are a bunch of TVs surrounding, you know, playing stuff. And he looks up at that at the same time Kike does. And you see the screens flicker out. And before you see anything on the screen, you hear the music. Prepare for disaster and make it faster to protect the world from stagnation, to knock down those above their station, to denounce the evils of order and rules, to pillage just a few of your jewels. Radna, Eddie. <laughs> oh God, why? <laughs> Team Clown, assemble your might. Give up now. There's no need to fight. That's right. And the last that's right, you hear in a chorus, Irene and Kike, as coming out of little corners and crevices, you see at least a dozen Aurelio Enrique Ueso Kanakas. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my fucking god. And as they all walk around surrounding you, Rhonda just meekly says, uh, yeah, this party is ours now. <laughs> And that will be the end of uh, the first session play-wise. Exquisite. Because I at least wanted to get to the point where I revealed what the specific Die Hard was. I agree. And honestly, I think that should just be the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a strong as fuck ending. It's very strong. It is, indeed. I'm so proud of your rewritten Team Rocket Creed. <laughs> So, like, you had always planned Die Hard, and then when we did the detective episode, you changed it to this? No, or? the Die Hard was new. So what this originally was going to be is this was going to be a two-parter. It was going to be Hilda's Night Out and Irene's Night Out. Mm. Basically, the first half of this was my original plan, and the idea was actually going to be that Oset was going to challenge Hilda in the moment and say, yeah, fuckers, it's time to duel. But then Rhonda and Eddie happened, and suddenly I just thought, what if the key clones crash the party? God. So no, specifically because you created Eddie, what was supposed to be a Hilda versus Oset Scuba episode still has that because it's important plot stuff to like set up the finale, but is now for the second half. Oops, all key case. God. <laughs> and Team Rocket is the terrorist. Yep, Team Clone. <laughs> I'm so pleased by this. I'm really happy for Eddie and Rhonda. This is the best outcome. I'm so pleased that I finally get to meet them. Who wants to convince them to steal all of Oset Scuba's collection? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just was... like we did with Cubo, but better this time. Even before who it was was revealed, my, my plan was always to cooperate fully. <laughs> like, unless this Hans Gruber was somehow worse, or, like, directly threatening the lives of everyone here. It's like, meh. Yeah, just... I'm pretty sure the only one of you he hate. No, wait, he does hate Irene, too. <laughs> Hilda will protect Kike and Irene. And you get into the car. You put the bag in the back and all of that. And it's a nice car. It's one wait, of those things. Wait, wait, oh, wait, wait. Sorry, wait. no, no, no. You, you keep the bag on you, right? Yeah, 
I'm not gonna put my dog yeah, in the I, trunk. I fucked up. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So you get in the car. X card time. He's got a little necro snail. It's. <laughs> It races really fast, like Turbo, that movie that came out a million years ago. Nobody ever saw Turbo. Turbo. It's a racing snail. Yeah, it's a racing then, snail, man. Did you never hear about Turbo, the movie about the racing snail? It's a B-level <laughs> animated movie. Turbo yeah. movie, twenty thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds was Turbo. <laughs> yeah. Get the time. Snoop Dogg and Samuel L. Jackson were in this movie. Ben yes. Schwartz was in this movie? Yes, and yet nobody saw it or cared about it. Paul Giamatti? Not a single person saw it. I didn't I didn't know about this. 2013? We were what? Yep. Yeah, if she comes by here, I will make sure to let her know. Good luck, ethyl acetate. And then he's gonna be like, that's funny because that's an Esther too. <laughs> Hearing about another Esther. He thinks about his brother, Dean, and cries. <laughs> okay, everybody, this is, uh, this is, like, crappy mic Kyle, because I'm using my HD webcam. Uh, and we're doing that because Tom has a formal apology he would like to make in <sighs> post-credits uh, of this episode. We're gonna kick in the music, which oh. we are allowed to use. We have that permission <laughs> yeah, from we have Totalis Rankium. The apology music from Totalis Rankium. Uh, so Tom, what what crimes do you have to confess I, today? I need I need to confess. Last night during the initial part of this session, I said that Hilda did something in a Homestuckian sense during the like early bits talking about uh, the connection with the Boidel rats. I googled um, it and didn't find anything. Yes, yeah, so. so I I fucked up the term. I combined it incorrectly. I said pal leader. And that is not correct. The correct term is friend leader, or alternatively, pal honcho. I have lost all of my credibility as a Homestuck scholar, and I will be tendering my resignation. Rickoob. 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 Rickoob.